Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. I'm your host today. This is Kim talking and with me as always is Katie Crocus and Marcy Nevin. Hi, ladies. What's up, Kimmy? Good morning. How are you, Kim? I am well. I'm rested and tan uh, back from my vacation. I, uh, guys, I'm just tropical. Kim is the best version of me. (laughs) (laughs) He's the best version of everybody. Yes. Your, your stories were gorgeous. It was really pretty in Key West. I have to say, I was talking to my husband. We were laying there looking at these palm trees. And I said, you know, maybe someday we could move to a place like this. But I wonder if we would appreciate it. Like, do people who live in tropical locations, like every day, lay around looking at their palm trees, feeling that sense of relaxation? Or is it just the backdrop of their chaos? And so, like, it doesn't mean the same thing to them. For me, like, just like seeing palm trees waving in the breeze, like, I have this immediate, like, physical reaction of relaxation. Well, I feel like if you were to move to a spot like that at some point, it would be when the kids are gone, maybe you guys are retired. So would there be as much chaos as there normally is? Like not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Marcy, do you have palm trees in your part of California? We do. Yeah. Does it relax you every time you see one or is it just like, wow, I like trees? Because I really, my husband's like, nobody notices so trees. I notice trees. Like when I go outside, I love how green my state is, yeah. but maybe people just don't get as excited about trees as me. Okay. So it's, it's really interesting you say that because anyone who watches my stories knows that where I live in California, there are quite a, quite a few trees, like greenery. Yeah, it's green. Well, on, on the trail, it's green. So, and that's why I like walking on the trail so much, especially this time of year, because it's very shaded with all of these green, lovely trees. But then what I'm not showing is the dry brown hills that California has this time of year, oh. which I, I do not love. So my goal for myself at some point is to be like bi-coastal or what you were saying, Kim, have another house where I can go to this time of year that is green, like very naturey. Um, but my parents have a house about an hour from here, which I have been going to lately. It's on a golf course and mm-hmm. it's in kind of the middle of nowhere, like cow country. So everything is Brown, uh, but they are on this golf course and there are palm trees on the golf course. So if mm-hmm. I'm walking the golf course, then I see the palm trees and I do feel very relaxed and at peace. Okay. No, Maybe so. the green. Katie, you uh, don't have palm trees. Not, no, no. <laughs> oh gosh, no. are you kidding? No, we have we have Christmas trees year round, and actually, <laughs> I love those. But so maybe somebody would come to Wisconsin and be like, it feels like the holidays always because yeah, it's like evergreens <laughs> everywhere. But and then rolling hills, and that's all. Yes, very peaceful. It's funny we go to Colorado, and I feel very grounded and at peace in the mountains. And I get Marcy, what you get for or Kim, what you were saying, you get from the waving palm trees. I get from the mountains, and uh, and and what I feel like are our hikes and being close to nature. And we come home, and I I I pull up, you know, my All Trails app, and there's hikes I can take here, but I don't want them here. Like they're not the mm. same here, mm-hmm. and so. I don't know if that's because of the, I don't want to blame it on the landscape. Really. I think it's just like 
when I'm home, I'm in a different state of mind than when I'm away. Mm. Katie, yeah. have you hiked in a place in Wisconsin called Parfreeze Freeze Glen? No. Is that in Southern Wisconsin? It's I haven't, in, I don't go, I you know. Merrimack, Wisconsin? Okay, that's a little bit farther north. No, I haven't. And, and to be honest, for this being my home state, I am not very well traveled in it. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I've stayed pretty close to Madison for the most part. And uh, no, so no, I have not been there. I'm reading this book called Moms Who Hike and it's this compilation and each mom like talks about her own personal experience and then she shares a hike she loves. And so this woman's sharing all about Parfrey's Glen and it's amazing. Wow, so, I should look that up because that's check not it that out. far. Yeah, check that not out. as far as Colorado. Yes, <laughs> it's not as far as Colorado. Right. So Definitely Kim, not. I mean- I love this talk about trees. It's been delightful, but can we, <laughs> can, we, can we please talk about your trip? Because I want to live vicariously through you. Did you yeah. have the pie? Did you snorkel with a fish? I did have the pie. Okay, ladies, I remember I didn't know about the pie. There was literally, you could get key lime pie everywhere. Name us, like you walk into a store and there's a refrigerator case with key lime pie. Like it was everywhere. I only had one piece. It was amazing. Yeah. It was really good pie. Like it was so good. You're um, welcome. Yes. Thank you. I loved the pie. Loved it. And then, um, went snorkeling. We had, um, the water was incredibly choppy from storms and this, you know, hurricane season has already started. So we didn't have much visibility, but it was actually a really good experience. We, um, you know, we took this boat out and then we got into the water and the water temperature was like literally that perfect temperature. Like I could stay in here all day. Like it's just so relaxing, but the water was really choppy. And so I had said to myself, I'm like, you know what? you're just going to practice. You're going to practice with snorkeling. You know, since my husband does love this, instead of me just saying like, oh, you go ahead and I'll kind of hang out. I'm like, I should actively try to learn this skill. How hard can it be? I know how to swim. (laughs) This can't be that bad. And so I did. So I spent the whole time just first, I worked on the the fins and I got it. Like, I finally feel like I'm not completely moronic with the fins, but I will say it's still, it's challenging for me with that mask, that snorkel mask. I feel very claustrophobic. And so Mm -hmm. I worked my way up to like, you're going to put it on and you're going to put your face in the water and you're going to look for however many seconds you feel comfortable. And so I just did that repeatedly. I just kept making myself like I'd put it on, I'd look, there was nothing to see ladies. It was, there. <laughs> I kept hearing people say like, there's a barracuda. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to find, I'm going to find the barracuda, Marcy. So, and I never did. I didn't see anything. Like I you still want to see the barracuda. It's yeah. The barracuda is <laughs> not fun to see. Uh, <laughs> that's too bad. That's too bad. That you know, It was um, a good experience for me because I feel more confident in my abilities. Like I'm like, I can, I can keep working on this. What I should probably do like if I'm going to keep doing this is get myself a snorkel mask and practice wearing it in my house, like not in water. And I know that sounds nutty, but it's it's, it's not even in water. It's literally the sensation of like something covering my nose freaks me out. And then to put your, like then to be in water, it's just, it's a lot for a person who's claustrophobic. So, but I feel like I I don't like the mouthpiece. The mouthpiece is what makes me more claustrophobic. Really? Like, yeah. Like how that doesn't bother me. Like I practice that a lot, like, you know, how to make sure there's not water in it, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I will say I had a really good time. Um, the water was delightful and it was just a pretty, pretty day. And so, and I just felt very accomplished. Like, okay, I don't know how to do this yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm going to, I'm going to tackle this. And so it was a good time. My husband actually was shocked. There was enough people. I couldn't see him. Like after a few minutes, I'm like, I don't know which of these heads is my husband. There was just too many people. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And I kept thinking I saw him. Eventually he came back. He's like, you're still here. He's like, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe you're not back on that boat. Um, So, because I stayed out almost the entire time. 
Good for you. It's good experience. Bold. That's super cool of you, by the way, to take on, embrace something your husband wants to do. I currently, my husband just decided, well, he's always wanted to, but he just started taking flying lessons and he's super pumped about it. I mean, like he's, he's skydiving. He wanted to do that for his 40th birthday. Like he's a risk taker. And I, I have no chill. So basically I feel like that in life and on all things, like he could, he wants to be the volleyball coach and, and, you know, shake hands with everybody. And that's just who he is. And I love him for it. And so I try my best to like keep up with him for the most part, but that's, that's not me. Like I'm such an introvert. And so he is so pumped about this flying business. And I asked him, I'm like, how many hours before you're, you know, certified to do this by yourself thinking it's gotta be like a thousand, right? Like they don't let civilians just fly planes. <laughs> 20 hours. And he can take me and our children in a plane. Absolutely. What? Is that what? not insane? 20 Ridiculous. hours? Exactly my, exactly my reaction. I was like, can we maybe find something between 20 and a thousand before you <laughs> take all of us together? So anyway, my, my, my hats off to you, Kim, for be, for showing up and being like, I will put the mask over my face and do the hard <laughs> thing because I'm not there yet. All right. To be fair, I wouldn't be getting in a plane with him. Especially <laughs> <laughs> not after 20 hours. Wow. Oh, well, that's some trust right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Keep us posted on that. And what number you settle on somewhere it, it between 20 and a thousand. Clearly it won't take like, I'll be able to probably update you guys in like a month and a half. He'll probably be there at the rate he's going. So well, maybe, oh. maybe shoot for three digits. <laughs> I agree. It seems reasonable. Oh Marcy, gosh. What's going on with you uh, right now? Not a darn thing. I'm so boring. <laughs> Uh, I, I booked a trip to Seattle. I guess that's exciting. <laughs> Alaska airlines, for those who don't know, it's my favorite airline by far. And I started flying it when I was in college because they would fly directly into Eugene, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just love Alaska and they're having very good deals right now. So I got round trip to Seattle for 150 bucks. Nice. Which, yeah. I'm excited about that. So do you have friends there? Uh, now I do. Oh. So I have. I had, there's, there's a girl, her name is Taylor. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Keisner maybe, but she's an online fitness coach and she and I have become friends and we are literally the same person. Like the things that we have in common. I don't believe it. She can't be as cool as you. Oh, she's, well, she is. She's a recipe developer, isn't she? I think I just recipe developer. Yeah. Yeah. So she kind of like, she does a recipe developer. Oh, I don't know this person. Yeah. So she does, uh, she has kind of a, like a faith-based fitness brand, I guess you would call it. And then she also does recipe development on the side. So we become really good friends. And the more that we talk on Instagram, the more we're like, oh my gosh, I like that too. I do that too. Like we're the same person. So what's her handle? Uh, it's Taylor Keisner, like literally ITS. We should link it in the show notes. Now that we're, she's great. I know, yeah. I know who you mean. I want to, I want to say it might have like faith and fitness in the, in the handle. So we'll link it. Yeah, yeah. but no, she's great. So I, uh, I booked a trip to go see her and we were going to go to this little like mountain town and go hiking for a couple of days. But I'm like, that just feels like a lot of work. You know, you fly in and then you got to drive three hours and then you do that. And so I, and I love Seattle. So we're going to maybe do one day of hiking one day in the city. I'll take her to my favorite restaurant, which she hasn't even been to oh. <laughs> and we'll go from there. So yeah, that's well, my super fun. That's about it. 
Well, it's been good to catch up. Let's hop yeah. into our topic here today. We decided last week, uh, something came up that we were going to talk about body image. So mm -hmm. where I'd like us to start is just, I'm going to go around and I'd like us each to give a quick, like one sentence, like literally one sentence or one phrase sum up of where you're at with your body image right now. So like, don't give us the whole story now. Just give us like a little summary, like one phrase, one summary, you and your body image. Where are you now? Katie, let's start with you. We are at the it's complicated status. Okay. Okay. Marcy? Work in progress. Work in progress. And for me, the, the phrase I would use is I'm in a season of growth. Mm -hmm. And so as we continue this conversation, we can kind of talk about, let's go now like with your history of you and your body image. Like when you think of like where you've come from to get to this point that you've just summed up now, tell us that story. Like obviously give us the cliff notes version because every single woman I know has a really long story about their body image, right? Like I don't know anybody who doesn't have a history with this stuff. So let's kind of keep it each uh, on the cliff note side, but let's kind of go in depth here. Marcy, let's start with you. Give us kind of an idea of where you're coming from with your body image. Where have you been to lead up to, what did you say? It's complicated. It's complicated. Yeah, no, no. It's complicated. Oh, Regis, it's coming. I'm work in progress. Work in progress. So, so give us kind of the backstory and where you, where that comes from now. Yeah. So it's really interesting because when I was younger, so elementary school age, I had so much self-confidence, almost a little too much self-confidence. And I would say up until the point that I was in about fourth grade. So I was starting to mature a little bit faster than my friends. And so I, I was the taller one and not that that really like makes a difference, but I just felt like I was a little bit more mature, so to speak. I also, for some reason, thought that I looked like Cindy Crawford. <laughs> Don't laugh, Kim. <laughs> it's just funny. I'm thinking like, Cindy Crawford had a big deal, big, a lot to do with my body image. And it was not because I thought I looked like her. <laughs> well, not, not so much like my body, but like my face. Like I had this, uh, like I had a lot of hair and I would like okay. put my hair around. I remember being in the bathroom, of my elementary school and just like doing that thing where you kind of like take your hand and like flip your hair and Did be like, draw her like, mole on. Yeah. Well, I, I would draw the mole on occasionally. Yeah. So I, I felt like I looked like Cindy Crawford and I had tons of confidence and then I don't know what happened, but it almost feels like it was overnight because I remember being in fifth grade and starting to become really self-conscious of what my body looked like. So kind of like the joke that I'll say is I started to mature a little bit more quickly than my friends. And then all of a sudden I stopped growing up and I started growing out and all of my friends started to get taller, but they were all like very thin. So they were like that long, lean uh, body. They could eat whatever they wanted. And even though I was very active, so I played all of the sports, uh, I just, I was packing on the pounds and it, and no one, what's interesting is no one ever said anything to me about my body. My dad made one comment when we were away at our, uh, we would go camping every summer and he didn't make one comment that was like, oh, you're getting a little chubby or something like that. And that was devastating to me. But to be honest, I don't think that that comment was really what triggered my, my body image issues. I think it was more just what I saw and then like in me and then what I saw around me in terms of the people that I, 
the girls that I was friends with. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what started it. And yeah, I remember 12 years old. I think we talked about this in the last episode, buying that thing, the firm so that I could start exercising because I was mortified at the thought of being in a bathing suit when we went on this camping trip. So I would do the whole thing of like wearing the board shorts over the swimsuit or wearing the, the, you know, big baggy shirt over the swimsuit. What I hated the most was my thighs. Like I was never like pinching my stomach or my arms. I've always had bigger legs. That's just where I carry the majority of my body fat. And by the time I was, yeah, probably like 13, I remember stepping on the scale one time. Now I'm in middle school and seeing this number and being like, you have to be kidding me right now. Um, and I was so upset about it. I would go shopping in the junior section. If anyone remembers wet seal. (laughs) Oh, Uh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So being, being in wet seal and having to try on clothes and barely being able to fit into like a size 11 or 13 of the shorts and, and just crying, like being in tears over it. So that's really where my body image issues started. And then from there, it was about doing whatever I could do to lose weight. So that's when the exercising started. That's when the dieting started. And yeah, like eventually I lost the weight, but it was still never enough. There was always more, there was always, so that, that's, that's how it started. And then it's progressed from there and we can continue on later. Okay. Um, I like this. So kind of tell us the beginning about it and then we'll kind of come back and talk about different stages. Katie, let's hear kind of like as far back as you can remember your, um, history with your own body image. So I can actually pinpoint it to a photograph. Um, I was nine years old in the photograph and I remember my mom taking it and I remember trying to look smaller. I was sitting next to a friend, we were in swimsuits and I look back at that picture today and I've, I've written about this on my blog actually. And I can see myself doing the things that you just see, I want to say women, but really a lot of times young girls doing, trying to make themselves smaller, like lifting my legs up a little bit so my thighs look smaller, hunching my shoulders so I don't look as broad. And that was at nine years old. And Mm. ladies, my middle daughter just turned 10 today. Oh, happy birthday to her. Oh, thank you. And, And so... I was just, I was just talking to my husband about this this morning and I see none of myself and my children. And to me, I feel like I've already succeeded as a parent because they've gotten past, um, they've gotten to this age and they don't seem to be aware of their physical being the same way I was. And I don't know what led to that. I, I, I couldn't tell you why at nine years old, I was aware of myself in that way. And it just, and it just went on. It didn't end. Like I had confidence issues in everything. Like it was in in grades, in performance, in sports, like there was nothing that I could hitch my wagon to that made me feel proud. And I know that sounds really devastating and it was like candidly, I look back and I see that, but certainly since we're talking about body image that manifested the fastest in, in a real and deteriorated um, quickly, mostly because of Marcy, like you said, the surroundings, like you pick up like a YM, remember YM magazine or- oh, Yeah, um, YM. I loved that magazine. Right? like Nikki and Chrissy Taylor on the covers of, of like team yeah. Cosmo. And that was what I wanted. That was all I wanted. And that felt and that to me, I was like, that's what will bring me happiness. And so basically I struggled thinking like, if I can just achieve that, then I'll be confident and everything else will work. And now uh, just to kind of like punctuate that 
I can look at my my own body. To, the reason it's the it's complicated status is I can look at my own body today. If I am neutral about it, like if I were to put someone else's head on my body, I, I first of all I wouldn't even be aware of it. Like it wouldn't even be a consideration because it's just it's like anyone else's body is completely neutral to me, but for some reason my own mm. takes on all of these complicated emotions, and so I can look at myself and be like, I'm great. Like I if if, if anyone around me if with my body walked up to me I would be like that woman is strong she's amazing look at what she can do but for some reason when I turn inward I'm still kind of fighting a battle within myself that it's not good enough mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to chime in really quick with something that made me think then we'll get to you Kim but I don't know if you guys follow this woman her name is now it's Melissa Urban but she's the creator of the whole 30. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I have my thoughts about her, but she will talk about body image quite a lot. And she has this quote, I don't know if she made it up, but basically she says, judgment is a mirror, not a window. So whenever you're judging somebody else, essentially you're judging yourself. Yeah. And I know Sam Altieri, our former podcast host, she talks about this a lot as well, that she would notice after doing a lot of inner work on herself that she was judging people all the time. She's like, but really what I came to realize was that the people I was judging, I was judging myself in the same way. Um, and what's so interesting about that, Katie, is I have these thoughts or feelings about my body, the things that I don't like about it. And when I can honestly say, when I see that in other people, like I don't judge them the same way that I judge myself. So it's kind of the opposite of what, I guess these women are saying, um, but I have never loved anyone less, you know, a, a woman in my life because she has cellulite or, you know, wrinkles or she's heavier. It's just like, I see them completely as, as they are for who they are, you know, their soul. Like I can see past what society might like deem, you know, character flaws or body flaws and, and not judge them. But why do we do the same thing to ourselves? Mm-hmm crazy. Yeah. What about you, Kim? What's your, um, so much like you ladies, um, my wrestle with my body started young and I can't say when, but I definitely always remember wanting to fix something about myself. Like I remember, I remember really not liking my nose. Like, and the weird thing is I always thought I had a huge nose, which is kind of funny. Cause now as a, like objectively, I think my nose is on the smaller side, but I remember as a teenager, I thought I had this massive nose and I was really self-conscious about my nose. Um, and I remember thinking like, my hair is too thin. I don't like my nose. I'm too short. My body does not look like I was really into fashion. My first degree is in fashion merchandising. Like, so I spend a ton of time, like watching fashion shows on television and reading the magazines. And clearly I did not look like those women. Like I didn't, most people I know, it didn't occur to me that most people in my life didn't look like those women. I just knew that I did not look like these women. Um, and though I was not overweight, I, as far back as I can remember, as being a teenager, I always wanted to lose five pounds. I wanted to lose five pounds and have better hair and fix my friggin' nose. Mm -hmm. And I was just sure that this was, um, this was going to be the key to my happiness. And the other thing I think back to as an adult, um, I still attend the same church congregation. And so I know a lot of people now more as peers 
who knew me as a child, right? And I was talking to this one woman one day and she said to me, she's like, when you were a teenager, I remember thinking I've never seen anybody look at themselves in the mirror this long. She's like, I would come into the bathroom and you'd be there arranging yourself. And she's like, and she had little kids and that's why she was coming in and out of the bathroom with her children. She's like, and I'd come back in and you were still there arranging yourself. She's like, there's only so much to arrange. And I thought back and I'm like, she's right. Like I really was always like, I always felt like I had to look just so. Right. And I had to, I didn't want to sit in a way that accentuated something I didn't like. And I wanted to, I just always wanted to, I had to look just so I was very conscious at all times of how I looked, um, which I think is an interesting topic for us to talk about in a little bit. Like, why do we do that? Like, why are we so conscious of how we are looking all the time? I want to share some, some people that I, I've, some people I've really resonated with me on this subject. But let's kind of go back around here again and kind of continue on with the story. So that's kind of where each of us remembers as far back as like when our body image issues started, like when we started having this wrestle with our body image. And for all of us, it was young. And I don't think that that is abnormal. I think for more women than not, it's pretty young, whether it's childhood or teenagehood or certainly young adulthood, that we start having these wrestles. So Marcy, pick back up with the story for us here. Yeah, and you know, one thing that I just remembered about my early childhood years, because I had mentioned that except for that one comment from my dad, no one ever made fun or commented about the size of my body. So my mom was always talking about her weight, which I know was because of my grandmother, who was a very small woman. I mean, I I am built like my mom's mom. (laughs) So short pear shaped, you know, very small bone structure. So like small shoulders, but like big hips. Uh, and my, my grandmother was both my grandmothers really like, were so conscious of their weight and always making comments about other people. So like, for example, when my mom, who was the oldest of five children, the rest who were boys, she went to Europe after she graduated from high school and was gone for a month. And the first thing my grandma said when she came home after not seeing my mom for a month was what happened to you? You like you gain weight. So yeah, my mom has always had body image issues and, and she never like made me feel bad, but there were just kind of those insidious comments, like a moment on your lips forever on your hips or, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, when I was pregnant with you, I ate popcorn and apples, try to keep my weight down, that kind of stuff. And then my dad's mom, I mean, I think my dad's mom had an eating disorder, to be honest with you. Um, so she was probably 95 pounds, just like so, so thin, very frail, uh, hardly ate, but she was a great cook and would always comment on other people's bodies. So like the first thing that she would say about somebody is like either they had gained weight or they had lost weight. But again, she would never really make those comments to me. So she would always compliment me, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that, yeah, like, you know, my grandparents, my parents, they were never the ones making these comments. Um, and then the thing that I got made fun of the most when I was in elementary and middle school was the size of my forehead. So this kid who I was in love with, like in love with this guy from first grade to high school, like, you've got a really big forehead. Like, do you wax your forehead? It's so shiny. I'm like, who says that? Wow. (laughs) So weird. And then I would get made fun of for my hair because I, they would call me like horsey hair because I had so much of it. It was just like big and frizzy. And like, I even went to my hairstylist and she would like shave my, like the underside of my hair because mm-hmm. you know, to 
like tame Isn't it Isn't it interesting that the same things, like I was really conscious of that. I didn't have enough hair and here oh, you were, yeah. you were like self-conscious. You have too much hair. It's like, much. Isn't it crazy that the exact same we like I was really wanting more hair. I would have killed to have. I'm sure if I saw you that then Marcy have been like, oh my gosh, that girl is so lucky. Look at all her hair. Oh, so, yeah. I it's, think it's yeah, so, I know. It's so bizarre. It, even though there was no that like, no direct negative talk about you and your body, you were very much aware that there was conversations surrounding bodies in bodies. general. Mm-hmm. And so the people who were important to you absolutely impacted, I think, in a way that you said, okay, maybe I'm fine, but I better stay fine or I better stay focused or I better keep in mind that this evidently matters. Right. And and they they say that, you know, up until the age of seven, like our subconscious has not really been formed. So we're essentially sponges. So maybe I was not aware that these comments really were impacting me. Mm -hmm. Um, even if I didn't notice, or even if I wasn't thinking, oh, well, you know, my grandmothers are saying this about other people's bodies. So like, maybe I should be thin too. I really still to this day, believe that it was more the result of like what I noticed about myself and feeling uncomfortable. And maybe it was because I was comparing myself to my friends who again, were, you know, very thin, could eat whatever they wanted and and not gain weight. And here I was just like packing on the pounds by the day and, you know, on my first diet when I was in high school. So kind of like the evolution of that was, you know, I wanted to, I think at first lose weight so I could be smaller, but I wasn't necessarily wanting to be that like wafy thin look that you would see on the cover of a shape magazine or a YM magazine. So I started getting really into weightlifting when I was, I think 15. I remember my first high school boyfriend and I, we would go to the gym, we would lift. And I was starting to look at the, like the fitness magazines, like oxygen muscle and fitness hers. And these women were muscular. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I wanted to be thin. Like I wanted to be bigger, but muscular. Uh, And, and that's what I have been chasing ever since. It's never like, it's like, yes, I want to be lean, but I don't necessarily want to be very small and like petite. So I put, uh, posted this last week because I was having a bot, a bad body image day last week, or maybe it was the week before and really upset. And I was actually talking to my parents about it. And, uh, so we were having this conversation. I was on, I was like going to be going to the gym later and, you know, the talk was good. It was helpful. And I kind of like got out of my own shit. And then I go to the gym and I'm talking to this guy who an older gentleman, he's like in his mid fifties, he used to compete in bodybuilding. And now he's a judge. And we started talking about bodybuilding and he looks at me. He's like, well, you have a dancer's body. And I was like, "Ugh, you just killed my vibe. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. that is not, that's not what I've been going for, you know? Mm-hmm. So I talked about this on social media and people were chiming in in the comments saying like, oh, that's a compliment. And it means that you're poised and you're graceful and you're strong and you're this and that. And I was like, yeah, but I wanted this guy who is in the bodybuilding community to be like, oh yeah, you could step on stage. Like you could be a figure <laughs> competitor, you know? Yeah. It's like, nope, <laughs> nope. And, and I think, you know, genetically, like I'm just not inclined to, to look that way. So that's kind of where my issues come from is, is more so that I've been trying so hard for so long to achieve this, you know, quote unquote, ideal physique. And I still have not even scratched the surface. 
And that's it's like, do I even lift? Sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, do I even lift? (laughs) And that's where you're at now with your body. Oh yeah. That's where you're at. That's where I've been since college. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Thanks for sharing that, Mars. It's that's good to hear like where you're at now. Katie. Yeah, I'm, that's so interesting, Marcy, because everything that you had, I wanted. I wanted to be petite. I wanted that wafy look. I wanted to wear like the super low slung jeans and the crop tops. And I just couldn't like that did not fit my body at all. And and, and here I am saying this and I feel like I shouldn't even say it because I don't ever want to encourage anyone to, to not wear something because they feel like they shouldn't. Like, you should wear whatever you want to wear. But for me, I needed to own a certain body or I needed to earn a certain body to wear certain clothing. And so I would look like, I look at somebody Marcy like you and be like, she's got it all. Like who, who I, I didn't like muscle meant nothing to me. I just, I just wanted to be a, a small. I just wanted to be very, very slight. Um, and, and so in time, like eventually I, so I don't, I don't want to like go into like, you know, decades here, but let's cut to even like a year ago. And I was really, really lean. I was lean. You could see the, the musculature in my, you could see the lean tissue because I was so, my, my fat, my body fat percentage was so low. So essentially I got everything I ever wanted in, in a physique. Um, I realized once I got there, I had not put on enough muscle because I had absolutely no ass. And like, that was eye opening. But, um, you know, I had the curves in my arms that I thought I wanted. And I had um, defined abs and I was strong and I was able to do pull-ups. And I was like, wow, this is, this is it. But you know what? Like, I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. It turns out that I checked every single box I thought I could check. And I still had problems. I still had mm-hmm. things that made me unhappy. I still had issues in confidence. Um, I still had plenty of deficits in my life. And a lot of them, not a lot of them, I would say all of them came down to the fact that I didn't think I was worthy in a lot of ways. And that was not something I ever worked on. I was always too busy working on my body, like my physical body to pay enough attention to my mind and sort of get out of my head and um, get into like the more receiving energy instead of the doing energy. Mm -hmm. uh, So I could like understand what was actually really important and, uh, and, 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 and own that instead of like owning abs or owning a certain look because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, once, once I did, turns out it wasn't nearly like my life was not perfect. Wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. did not solve all my problems. That's for sure. Oh, that's going to make me cry. And I, I can, oh, Katie, I can relate to that so much. Cause I think I've talked about it on, I know I've talked about it before on the podcast and in my social media posts, but my two long-term relationships that I did not end the, my partner ended them was when I was at my leanest and my most fit. So my, my ex-husband, you know, came home one day, I don't want to be married to you. And I remember thinking to myself, you don't want to be married to me, but look how good I look, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but it didn't matter because like, I I wasn't a fun person to be around. I was so in my head. And this Mm -hmm. was also the time when I was going through like a lot of my health issues. And I, he said to me, he's like, I don't want to have to take care of somebody the rest of my life. And I was like, take care of me. Like, you don't take care of me. You know, like, don't you see how much I do? I do like, I took care of you when you lost your job, like that kind of stuff. But I think what he meant was like, I don't want to have to be the emotional stability for you all the time. Cause you're always in your head. You're always worrying about your health, worrying about your body, like that kind of stuff. So now like, I totally 
get it. I did not make him feel seen or he told me, he's like, I want you to put me on a pedestal. And I was like, I'm not going to put you on a pedestal. But like, now I get what he means by that. Like he mm-hmm. wanted some recognition. He wanted to feel like, you know, I was tending more to him rather than myself. And then next relationship too, like I repeated the same pattern, mm-hmm. you know, I had such low self-worth and I've talked about this, like comparing myself to him, um, especially when it came to like my lifting and my physique, um, that all of that leaked out onto him, but I still felt like, oh, because I look good because my body looks a certain way because I was, I was lean at that time, like, uh, that the relationship was going to last and it didn't. Mm-hmm. So at the end of my fat loss phase, when I looked what I thought was my best, like my relationship ended again. So same. And I was just dealing with the same problem. I, mean, I had made a lot of improvements. I was like working on it, but still, like you said, Katie, very much in my masculine energy all the time. If I can just do, do, do more then I'm valuable. I'm worthy. And if my body looks a certain way, you know, and it's funny because that time where I gained all that weight, being at that powerlifting gym is really when our relationship started to improve. <laughs> um, oh, interesting. Yeah. And then I think because I was just, I had more freedom and flexibility. I was enjoying life more. I was, you know, more well-fed, but then when I got really lean, I mean, you know, Katie, it's just, you're, uh, you're moody, you're irritable, you're tired. And that can definitely, you can take that out on other people. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and there's a lot of external validation when you get that lean too. And mm. that's not nothing when it comes to the psyche and the ego, there's that right. particularly in this space that we're all in. And I mean, Kim, I'd love to hear from you on this too. Like, do you have experience with this where you sort of got everything you thought you wanted and it turned out to not be? No, I don't because, um, you know, so through my twenties, I was not a person who was overweight. I was just a very average person. Um, I think it may have, it certainly affected me a bit that when I got engaged, my husband and I both had a goal weight and it was the same weight, but he wanted to gain enough weight to get to this weight. And I wanted to lose enough weight to get to this weight. And I think that like really was like, that was bothersome to me. Right. And, uh, Neither of us really did it, but, um, <laughs> but I think it, it really kind of stuck in my mind, but, you know, as it, as it went, just the way I managed young motherhood was I ate my emotions. You know, I self cared by feeding myself. Um, and that combined with all of the weight for my pregnancies is when I ended up obese. So I was in my late thirties and I was obese. I was very, um, were you obese by definition or are you just using? Oh yeah, no, I, I was, I was, I was, I was very overweight. Okay. I never went to a doctor and had them say that I was obese, but looking back, I absolutely was. I don't know if you've seen pictures of me from that. I time. haven't. No, I'll show you and Katie. I put them up before. Like you'll be shocked. And I went on a trip with my family to, um, we went to Germany and Prague. It was my oldest son and my, my husband and I, I had lived in Prague. He had lived in Germany. We were taking our oldest who was eight at the time to visit these places. And the entire time I was worried about things like, can I walk up these stairs? Like we just walked up those stairs to that chapel, like steeple to see the view. Can I walk up the next step? And my knees hurt and my feet hurt. And I remember I really wanted to buy something pretty, like some kind of um, souvenir from this cute town we were in. We were at this cherry festival. I can't remember the name of the town in Germany. And there was all this beautiful stuff. And I was like, I, 
I can't fit in any of the stuff. And so I bought a scarf and I always refer to this as my scarf era. Ladies, I had like 20 scarves, like, because I was hiding behind these scarves. And it's like, I would put on like big baggy clothes and I would put all these scarves on and I had bangs. I put these bangs. I was trying so hard to hide. Um, it was a really rough time for me. And looking back on it, I, I know like a lot of it came from the fact that I was trying to solve all of my emotional issues with food. Like that, that is literally the time of day where I felt calm is when I could sit there and just eat bowl after bowl of cereal at night or like chocolate bars or whatever it was. Um, you know, I eventually got my act together with my nutrition and with fitness, lost all the weight after many failures. It, it was a long haul. Um, over, you know, in more recent years, in the last seven or so years, I have felt really good about my body, but I've been very um, cognizant of my body all the time. And I got really lean. I got to the point where I was very lean and it wasn't enough ladies. I never, I never got visible abs. Um, the way my body is shaped to get any leaner, I knew for a fact it was going to be like, I was already like, people would comment like, that I looked painfully thin and I was like, but I still can't see my abs. I need to get thinner. And I really was, I kept thinking like, I'm going to do that. Eventually I'm going to do that. Eventually, eventually I decided I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to put on muscle, but in my mind, I still was at some point going to work for those abs. It was only like, I want to say it was three years ago that I finally told my coach one day, I'm like, I think I'm done with that goal. Like I'm mm. not going to do that for some people. That's a great goal for me. Like I don't, I don't even want to do that anymore. And I was like, all right, like I've kind of arrived, like I've made peace with that. But ladies, I got to tell you, I just very recently in the last couple of weeks have had this overwhelming sense of feeling like I'm ready to be at peace with my body. Like I'm just, oh, I'm beautiful. over it. Um, I have a very large and expansive and expensive wardrobe upstairs that I still don't quite fit in because of my COVID and ammonia weight gain. And I'm like, I'm going to push through. So I, I'm not, I'm not rebuying this entire wardrobe and I've got like, you know, six to 10 pounds left. So I'm going to do it and people change. So maybe a few years from now, I'm going to be like, yeah, I, I've changed my mind again, but I really have this sense of like, I'm done with this. Like I am not going to lose this weight and then set some other goal. Like mm -hmm. I'm not going to be like, now I want to bring up my shoulders or now I want to define my quads. Like I just feel ready to stop thinking about it. Like I don't want to spend one more moment thinking about my body. I don't. Mm -hmm. And I've never felt that way before. Oh, that's never. I'm going to cry. <laughs> And I, feel, I feel a sense of relief, just kind of like, I'm just going to put this down in a very good way. Like I'm just, this is not where my energy is going to go anymore. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm going to like stop lifting or stop caring about how I eat in any way, shape or form, because there's just so many benefits I get from these things, right? Like how strong I am impacts, like what I can physically do. Like I want to be able to hike the Grand Canyon and like, maybe I want to compete in powerlifting again someday. I don't know if I do, I'll train for that. I'm not saying I'm not going to have goals for like the gym. I'm not going to start eating crazy because it, my health is super important to me, but I don't for now in this moment, I don't see myself ever setting another physique goal of any kind for any reason. I, I relate to that. I just put up a, a post where I was talking about body image yesterday and how, when I get in my head sometimes about it, I have to remind myself that the goals I have in my life have nothing to do with being smaller, they, but they have everything to do with being stronger. And that's one of the, and, and, and so I feel like I'm very close to that sort of same metamorphosis, Kim, that you're talking about. 
And I, I realize that some of it comes with experience and some of it must come with, with aging because I'm so much better now than I was at 32, 10 years ago. Um, but at, you know, these feelings are so indoctrinated in my head, in my mind that I have to do a lot of work to get past them. And I'm doing the work and I can feel myself growing, but it's not easy. And I think it's really important to note that when you see someone who is doing something and it looks effortless, most of the time they worked really, really hard to get there. So, I mean, I don't want to take over hosting this, but I'd love to know, like, if there's things that you've done that have helped you get to this point. For me, it's a life of all of these experiences. I think we're each going to wind our way through this path. And I don't know that there's a shortcut, but Mm -hmm. I do think it has a lot to do um, with the messages we receive. Um, I think there's a lot of factors that come into play as women for what influences our body image. And I'm sure, why don't we just like name some of those things? Like, so the opinion, like the things we hear other people saying, I think are one of those, like what Marcy was saying, even though those comments were not about her body, the fact that people comment so much on other people's bodies and what is a good body versus not a, a, versus what is a shameful body. I think that has a really big impact on us. What are some other things you guys think that, that impact that? Like how we feel about our body. So I don't think we can, I do think there are ways to get to a place of peace with our body, but I think there's just so much impacting how we feel about it mm-hmm. that as women, we have to recognize what those things are. For sure. For me, it's, it's the socials. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I have had to totally redefine my feed and recurate it. And I do it on a regular basis. I, I do major Instagram detoxes and, and, and what I would call upgrades uh, from time to time. And I do it with different phases of my life. Sometimes I do it as it relates to politics and what's happening in the world. And I understand that I, you know, I don't necessarily want to live in an echo chamber, but I do want to architect a little bit what I'm going to see because I realize how it has an impact on me. So surrounding myself with people on similar paths or who are 10 years down the road in their experience, like that's been pretty groundbreaking for me. Um, so when the first thing that pops up on my feed is is something that is supporting my goals and not making me feel like less than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mars? Well, and it's so funny because, you know, we're all quote unquote influencers. I hate that language, but I mean, it's true. Like we have an audience and we are influential in our message and what we're putting out there. And I, I feel like I've said this many times, you know, if it wasn't for social media, if I wasn't on it, if I wasn't an influencer, I don't think I would care as much about my appearance, but it feels like I'm, you can say all you want. Don't worry about what other people think. I think it's bullshit. We all care to some degree about what other people think about us. Um, and you know, I've struggled not only with my body image when it comes to my weight or really, you know, still what I struggle with, I'll be honest, is like cellulite, (laughs) you know, like I, I have tons of cellulite on my body, especially on my lower body. And even when I had gained that weight a couple of years ago, I'll never forget. I was doing a, an RDL, uh, at the gym and I was like looking in the mirror and I could see like cellulite on my biceps. I was like, since when do I have cellulite on my biceps? Like, and it was just, it was kind of like, I don't want to say mortifying, but it was like, I thought that's the one place where I didn't have it. Um, and you know, so I got lean, like it went away and now I've 
put on 10 pounds and like, it's kind of coming back. And so like, you know, I can be frustrated with that. Um, so it's like been the body stuff, like lower body, but also like my face. And for those who don't know, I have plastic surgery in February and I am very honest and open about it. And I went back and forth, like, oh, do I talk about this? Do, do I not? But it was on my eye. So I had what's called a upper and lower blepharoplasty because even at 37 years old, I had like bags under my eyes, like a lot of loose skin, uh, kind of like the hooding of the eyelids where I felt like I couldn't even wear makeup because it just like all blended together. And I was very, very self-conscious of it. Like I would refuse to get on Instagram stories for years. I had business coaches like Marcy, you have to get on stories. And like, that's where people connect with you. And I was like, nope, not going to do it. Or like, I would wear glasses or like, you know, put a filter on. So that really held me back, even though no one ever, when I got on stories before the surgery, no one once commented on my eyes. Like people would, I would say like, oh, I'm really self-conscious about this because I think when you express things, like it takes away um, the, the shame around it. So I always say shame can't survive being spoken. And I would tell people this insecurity. They're like, I don't even see what you see. It's like, okay, that's fine, but I see it. And that's still bothersome to me. So like, I did something about it. Uh, there are probably things now that like, I'm not going to be able to do anything about, and it just is what it is. So a lot of it does have to come down to self-acceptance. Um, but I agree with you too, Katie, you know, like curating your feeds so that you don't see those people that maybe you would compare yourself to, because also like, you don't know what those people are doing. Right. Like we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and what they had to sacrifice to get there or. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it, but, um, for me, a lot of the, the inner work comes down to like, I do tons of journaling. You see that on my uh, Instagram stories, like just reframing those negative thoughts. And I will say, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I will say this. And what I've noticed about body image more than anything is it can fluctuate so much on a day to day basis, an hour to hour basis based on what is going on externally, not even like what is actually like going on with your body, because from one day to the next, my body has not changed yet. My feelings or what has happened in my environment has changed. So maybe I had a fight with my spouse or something happened with business or, you know, someone triggered me. And when I'm in that moment, I am going to be very or much more self self aware, I guess is the best word, or like self conscious, or have heightened emotions around what my body looks like. So when I'm feeling good, you know, body body feels great. Uh, my body image is better. When I feel anxious, when I'm tired, when maybe you're hormonal, then what you see, I think, is skewed a bit. Mm-hmm. So the word you were using there, a newer term that I have learned in recent years is self-objectification. Mm-hmm. So I, I bought a course that I, ha- I actually haven't even finished yet because I bought it to do with my daughter and you know how teenagers are. I'm always waiting for her to be like, yes, let's do it. So we've started it. We've not finished it. So there, there are these two women, Lexi and Lindsay Kite. They're sisters, oh. they're twin sisters. They have PhDs and they study. This is what they study. Their their Instagram handle is beauty redefined. They actually just came out with a book. I need to get the book, but I said to myself, not getting the book till you finish the dang course that you bought from them. But their um, 
what they teach about is this idea of self-objectification, that we view ourselves from the outside in, that we're always looking at ourselves through someone else's eyes. Um, I want to read you, this is a a quote from them. It's a couple of small quotes that I put together. Most people think body confidence is rooting and accepting how you look. And that like rung true for me. I'm like, yeah, that's what we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to be like, you know, everybody is a good body. Like I look fine how I am. But they say, um, that's why body positivity influencers are so popular. They show and tell you how confident they are in their look so you can feel good too. This is a first step toward body confidence for lots of people, but it is not the only step. Your body is not an object to be looked at. So healing your body image, your perceptions and feelings about your body is not about changing your view of your body. It's about changing how you value your body. The next step towards true body confidence is learning to value your body as an instrument for your use, not an ornament to be admired. Mm-hmm. And so this has been really, this has just been echoing my brain for several years. Like as I've, I've, you know, started this course and I read their feed regularly. I actually, I wonder if they like heard me talking about them and be like, you shut up lady, you help people lose weight. Like, because I don't think that, look, I have no problem helping people lose weight and I fully intend to keep doing it. Um, they're very pro, like very against that, like intentional weight loss kind of thing. So like I'd mentioning them, I'm sure they'd be like, you, you don't talk about me, but I will say their work has greatly influenced how I feel about this, this idea, um, that we so much think about how we are going through the world being looked at versus how we use our bodies to experience the world. And that's the change I want to start making myself is stop thinking so much about how I look to other people or to, to myself, like how I look and instead like how I'm experiencing the world in my body. And Mm -hmm. that's a really big change to make, whether you're feeling positive about your body or negative about your body. The issue really is that you're thinking about how you look. I think that, I think there has to be room for both because otherwise, if you don't accept someone's goal to change their body in some way, um, then you're, then in another, that's sort of objectifying somebody in a different way saying that, no, that's not a worthy goal, or that's, that's not good enough to talk about, or you can't, you can't sit with us. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I mean, I think it's important to say, yes, you can still have goals to, to lose fat or to do whatever aesthetically you want. There should be no shame in an aesthetic goal, but it's so important to bring all of this other conversation along for the ride and understand that there is work to be done outside of a calorie deficit and, and hitting your macros. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta work on the mindset stuff too. And, and I love that shift, Kim, by, by um, Beauty Redefined about looking at things like inward, right? Instead of, instead of or in, what was that again? It was, it comes from, so their idea is that we need to look at our bodies, not as objects, yes. but as instruments, right? Yes. And so not thinking about ourselves, like turning and seeing, like viewing the world from the outside in, but how we are interacting with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was introduced to them maybe six weeks ago for the first time. I listened to them on a podcast, uh, a manifestation podcast that I really enjoy. So I listened to the episode, some things resonated, some things didn't, but I did write down a note from that episode, which goes back to what I was saying earlier about emotions. And she said, if your body confidence comes from how you look, it's going to rise and fall with every wave of emotion that you have, which I think is really true. So yeah. And that's kind of what I was saying. You know, like 
there are going to be things outside of your control that influence your emotions. And that's another, oh, that, that's part of the work is being able to not be reactive to everything that's going on around you or to what other people do, what other people say. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just take things kind of for what they are and be able to do the work to, uh, to like move through those feelings and not let them just like consume you. Mm-hmm. But I know for sure that certain feelings will impact my body image more than anything. And then going back to what you were saying about the body being an instrument, not an ornament. I mean, I believe that for sure. Like I've really had to come to the place where I'm grateful for what my body can do. And I had this epiphany maybe a couple months ago where, you know, my workouts have been going really well. Like I'm enjoying them. I feel like I'm improving to week to week or from week to week, but I was trying to reflect on why that is. Why am I more in the zone lately? And I think it's because I'm coming at it more from a place of how good I feel Mm. after the fact, rather than needing these workouts to change my physique. Because after what, 20 years, I've realized that I can do, I can push myself really hard in the gym and I may never have those big shoulders that I've been going after, you know, like, so I've got to find another meaning to my training. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's just how I feel mentally, physically, emotionally, like just the feeling of being proud of myself mm-hmm. and, and, and I guess confident, no, not even confident in how I look, just confident in how I showed up for myself that day. Yeah. But also like what it allows us to do, to go hiking, to go snorkeling, to, to do those things that, you know, really bring meaning to our life. Because I think so many people put their lives on hold because they don't yet look a certain way. And it's like, you know, you're, you're going to be waiting forever. You're going to, your life is literally going to pass you by if you wait until you look a certain way or you've lost the weight. And I truly wholeheartedly believe that when you start living your life, the body changes come more effortlessly mm-hmm. because you're not focused so much on the food. You're not, mm-hmm. you know, sitting around feeling sorry for yourself. Like your feelings lead to your actions, your actions lead to your results. So if you do want to change your body, if that is something that is still important to you and you're still struggling with, you know, emotional eating or lack of motivation to work out, then start looking for other things that fill your proverbial cup and add to your life and watch how your mindset changes, watch how your body changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and also stress, like the things that you say to yourself and you beat yourself up, your body hears that your body hears everything that your brain says. So yeah, you know, I've been trying to do more of like the, the body affirmations lately mm-hmm. and just see, you know, does that, does bringing down that cortisol change things? I totally agree with all of that, Marcy. I know uh, one of the things I work on with the women that I coach is finding performance goals so that they can be focusing on something that, you know, that they're achieving outside of how they're looking. Um, I think it works wonders um, to have that focus. Um, And I want to be really clear. I'm not trying to say that I think people who have body weight loss goals that like I'm somehow above that now, I do not feel that in any way, shape or form. Um, And I have no intention of, I know some people are like, oh, it's, you know, helping people intentionally lose weight is not, is not a good thing. But in my mind, like I help women sensibly lose weight. And if those of us who do that stop doing it, there's this vacuum that leaves what? 
it leaves like the dregs of the earth for like, this is how you lose weight. Like here's your apple cider vinegar. Right. Right, right. And I'm, I'm not about to do that. Like there's no way in the world I'm going to do that. And just because I feel like I've gotten to a point with my body where I feel like health wise, I'm in a good spot. Like all of these things, like I do think there, there is value in helping people with these goals. Um, Mm -hmm. just for me now, I just feel like that weight of that is not something I personally, for me, want to bear anymore. And mm-hmm. not everybody is like going to want to do that. Not everybody's going to like, their path isn't going to take them to that spot. And I think that's okay. Um, I'm going to wrap up with one last thought. And then if everybody else has something they want to share, we can, we can kind of go there. Yeah. I, um, I just looked this up because I didn't want to screw it up. This is another quote from um, Beauty Redefined that I find really powerful. Potty, bo- positive body image is not believing your body looks good. It's knowing your body is good, regardless of how it looks. All right, uh, who else would like to share a closing thought? Uh, I'll share a closing thought. And that is, I, I can't emphasize enough how much it's helped me to find hobbies and goals outside of fitness-related activities altogether. So I'm all for performance goals. I think that's an awesome thing to have, but I found myself too reliant on that like clink of the barbell. Like I, I, in, instead of like that tick on the scale or whatever it was that was associated with a physical, I moved it over to like the clink of the barbell and, and, and like, I can't keep doing that either. And so finding things that really made me feel as good as a, a great workout um, was important to me. And it wasn't, it didn't come easy because I'll be honest, like my livelihood and my life has really been about life in this space for the last couple of years. So I had to work hard, but turns out there are other things I re- that, that really do give me that same dopamine hit and bring me that same kind of joy. But I have to like allow myself the time and the space to get into them, like creating, writing, um, organizing, gosh, cleaning my pantry, um, decluttering, donating. Like there are other things that I can do that give me that same sort of joy. And it took some work to step away from being in the gym. Like and for me, it began with doing a meditation, but doing it in my gym, because I love that space so much. I kept, I was pulled to being in the gym. Like Marcy, I'm looking at you right now, like podcasting in your gym. So like, I understand that, that feeling, um, of loving the space you're in and, 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 you know, so many people get this, uh, relief from being in their gym and, and getting a workout. But I really would encourage you if you are struggling with body image to start to find things that fill your cup that are not related to health and fitness. Love that. Mark. Yeah. Oh, a couple things here. So one to piggyback on what you were saying, Katie, about finding things that fulfill you outside of your, your workouts, your physique, because here's the thing, things can change at any time. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's say you get injured. Let's say you get sick. You know, there were a couple of years ago when I was going through my health stuff and starting to, uh, do my work with Vince and he's like, you can't train for at least a month. So that was my identity. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, what, what am I going to, what am I going to do with my hands? You know, mm-hmm. like it was so ingrained in, in who I was. That's where my sense of self-worth came from is like how hard I could lift in the gym, how, uh, dedicated I was to my workouts. So when that's taken from you, it's like, what do you have left? And, you know, the other thing too, is people say like, oh, the gym is my therapy. Well, mm-hmm. if the gym is your therapy, then you're screwed because <laughs> therapy is therapy, therapy, therapy is therapy. Doing the inner work is therapy. And yeah, I'm all for 
lifting and getting stronger because again, it does make you feel confident, but it can't be what your identity is rooted in. Mm -hmm. It cannot be the thing that helps you deal with your emotions because it's essentially the same as emotional eating or shopping. Like it's just numbing it for that hour that you're in the gym. Yeah. And then when you walk out that door, those feelings are still there. So I put this in my stories um, today because I was journaling and I said, feel the feelings until they no longer need to be felt. Mm -hmm. So do something like write it out that allows all those emotions to, to be released. Um, and you can release aggression in the gym, but not how you feel about yourself or, you know, anything else that's going on in your world. The last thing I'll say is people care more about how you make them feel than how you look and learn that lesson so many times the hard way. Sometimes I feel like I'm still trying to learn it, um, based on what I said earlier. And as a coach, you know, whenever I'm feeling bad about myself, it's just like, if I can be in service to somebody else and make them feel a little bit better then that is what is gratifying. I even do, uh, service work. So I'm a, like kind of a mentor for a younger girl who's, you know, the, the me 10 years ago. And, uh, whenever we, we talk every Saturday, so I may be feeling like shit that morning, but when I get on the phone and talk to her and help her through whatever she's going through, it's the thing that allows me to not think about my own problems. So yeah, whatever that looks like for you create, I mean, I love creating for Instagram. I love to write. I love to help other people like do something that gets you out of your head and either into your physical body for what it can do, not how it looks or go be in service to somebody else. Great suggestions. Wonderful conversation, ladies. I feel like we could um, have this episode many times over and go into you know detail about so much here. I think we should definitely do another episode like this. And wouldn't it be interesting a few years from now to come back and talk on the same subject and see where yeah. we're at with these now? Um, you know, it, it could be really interesting. And like I, I, I totally reserve the right to change my mind about the things I've said here today. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> And I don't see myself going to be like, I now know, don't wear makeup and I don't color my hair. Like, I don't see that that's how this is going to manifest itself in my life. Yeah. Um, I will keep, I will keep coloring my hair and getting my Botox. <laughs> I enjoy it. I do. I can tell. <laughs> to me, it's just like picking out a pretty shirt. Like I like my hair extensions. So yeah, they look lovely. <laughs> So I hope this has been useful for those of you listening. I hope it has caused you to be more, um, you know, to think more about why you have the thoughts you do about your body image, what your history has been with it, where you're at with it now, um, where you might tweak it, what might need, um, you know, some new thought patterns, like what would be beneficial to you. And hopefully something you've heard here today will help you uh, in your quest to do that. Thanks so much for being here with us and we will catch you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.